Shall we stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, we'll be in the book of Psalm chapter 121. And this is what the Word of God says, Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Praise be to God for the reading of His word. Let us pray. Father, what a joy that you've given us once again to be in your word. What a precious gift. And I pray, Father, that this is not something that we take lightly. But, Lord, that at this hour that we would be attentive and that you would speak, that you would guide us and grant us clarity of heart and mind. For your word is powerful. It convicts. It, it provokes us, Lord. It transforms us. So I pray, Father, that we would humble ourselves before you as we listen to your truth. And I pray, Father, that you'll grant me the necessary affection to teach your truth. The words that come out from my mouth are not mine, but yours, Father, to encourage and to build up your people. Oh, Lord, may you move in a special way, and we ask that you would grant us it's your blessing be upon your people. And that the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my God, and my Redeemer. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins. We come humbly before the throne of grace, seeking your forgiveness, Father. And we are thankful for that our sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Not because of what we have done or what we will that what we'll continue to do. No, nothing of that. But rather, it is the finished work of our Savior Jesus Christ that we are forgiven. And we have this joy. We get to experience your grace and your mercy today. Indeed, Lord, your mercy is new. Great is your faithfulness. God, I pray for those who are going through some difficulties in their lives, some trials. Perhaps their hearts are heavy. God, I pray that you would come alongside, that they would sense your presence, that as you have promised in your word, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And I pray, Father, that they would learn to draw near to you for comfort and assurance that you are in control. 
God, I pray, for, Father, for those who are asking for wisdom and for directions in their lives. I pray that you would lead them and, and that they would seek your word. James reminds us to ask for wisdom and you give it to us abundantly and that you will not hold back. But Lord, we pray that your will will be done. Lord, I pray, Father, for the working of your Spirit, that we would continue to walk faithfully, that we would be consumed by your presence as we commune with you, that we would pursue Christ in everything that we do. Draw us closer to you, Father, as we hear your word. Lord, I pray, Father, for in the midst of this pandemic, God, we are comforted knowing that you are in control. We thank you, dear Lord, for your provision and how you have cared for us and provided for us. And so, dear Lord, may, may that be an opportunity, Father, for us to worship you, to give you thanks, to be grateful for everything that we have. And Lord, we commit this hour into your hands. We pray, Father, that you would speak. That, you, that, that when we leave this place, that we could say confidently that we have met, I have met with my God. That he hears my prayers and my cry even now. And Lord, I pray for our families who are watching online. And I pray that in the comfort of their own home, I pray that you would be with them, that you would remove any distractions, that, that they will be focused into your word. God, I pray that you would do that work in their lives as well. So we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness to us. In the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, Amen, amen and Amen. You may all sit down. <coughs> the title of our message uh, this afternoon, as we look at this chapter, My Help Comes from the Lord. What a comfort that is for us. If you need help, you know where to turn to. My help comes from the Lord. Let me start with this question. Where do you look when things seem to be closing in around you? Where do you look when things seem to be closing in around you? Where do, you, where do your eyes turn when the overwhelming things of life prompt you to lift up your eyes? Here in Psalm 121, it is known as the travel, Traveler's Psalm. It is the second of a collection of psalms called the Songs of Ascent. Psalm 120 all the way to 134 are songs uh, Jewish pilgrims would sing as they traveled in caravan to Jerusalem to celebrate the God-appointed uh, festivals. Psalm 121 uniquely characterizes these pilgrim songs as it is filled with the imagery of one who is on a journey. For this reason, it is one of the most famous and beloved 
a psalms. It reminds us that life is a journey. And we can't make it safely to the, uh, to the destination alone. There are times when we join the psalmist in asking, from where does my help come? And I'm sure you have traveled. If you remember the time, if you're an immigrant from the Philippines and you're here, you remember the time that you, the first few years you have traveled away from your own home country and here in a new place, you've seen yourself as a traveler or a pilgrim. For those nurses, you could probably relate. There is called a what? A traveling nurse, right? So that's not his or her permanent hospital, right? She gets to do or he gets to do whatever he or she wants in regards to or where to go and what to do in that certain place. So we, we have a sister that has done that for a while and I've shared her experience when it comes to becoming or being a, uh, a traveler nurse. So even for us, as Christians, as believers, as followers of Christ, it is that truth that we are simply passing through. We are pilgrims in this world. If you are in Christ Jesus, your ultimate home, your destination, your final home is where? Heaven. That is our home. Right? So when we think about those things as we are living in this world, yes, there will be trials, there will be difficulties, there will be hardships in life. God watches over us as we would see in this chapter. But know this, that we're simply travelers, pilgrims, as we have celebrated Thanksgiving. As the pilgrim moved from one country to here and brought that that celebration of thanksgiving and thanking God for how they have saved them from their travels, from all the turmoils from one place to another. Right? When you're traveling, there's not a, you know, you recall the last time you traveled, despite of how much money you have in your bank, doesn't matter how much, how much you have prepared, there will be issues, difficulties that you will face. So again, church, this chapter, it reminds us that life is a journey. The Lord is the only one who is able to help you and I safely make it through the journey of life. Amen. What a comfort that is to know that our Lord Jesus Christ is the only, is the only one to be able to help us safely make it through the journey of life, despite of challenges in life. My favorite pastor, Charles Spurgeon, wrote, the purposes, the purposes of God, the, the divine attributes, the, the providence, predestination, and prove faithfulness of the Lord. These are the hills to which we must lift our eyes, and from these our help must come. And the question again, where does your help come from? Psalm 121 gives perspectives why you should trust the Lord to get you through the journey of life. And that, that should comfort us if you're a follower of Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior and Lord, despite of the challenges, despite of this pandemic, we know that God will let us 
go through this life because He is with us. He's part of our journey. But if you do not know Christ as your Savior and Lord, what an opportunity for you to repent and to confess your sins, to come to know Him, to make sure that Christ is leading you through this life. That you have a personal relationship with Him. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter the status of, of, of your life, and however people see you, it is important that you have a personal relationship with with Jesus Christ. Because it's so hard to go through life, to go through this journey of life without Him. I've been there. It is better now because Christ is walking with me. So the first thing I want us to look at in verse 1 and 2 is this. My Lord's power is before me. In verses 1 and 2. Let's read it together there. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The hills or the mountains that uh, could point out from whatever translations you may have. That which pointed to and led to Jerusalem. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. The hills or mountains could be the hills of Jerusalem from where Yahweh dwells in His temple. They could also represent other mountains of God such as Sinai and Canel, where He has come down and made His presence known. Lifting up our eyes also suggests the transcendence of God. Imagine when, when the picture would be, it is if when you see a hill, when you see a mountain, where do you look up to? You got to go beyond that. It is the picture. It is that you just stuck. Right? It, it, as if like when you go to Mount Riverdale and, and you go up and you keep climbing or, or, or walking through the hill or the, or the mountain in Mount Riverdale and, and you get to see what? The cross. The cross. You got to go beyond that. And that is a transcendence God. And then he asked a question. Where does, from where does my help come? So he asked himself this after scanning the world around him and, and looking for help. Then he remembers the Lord and he says, as if to himself, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Help is the word in Hebrew, ezer. It is acknowledging that we are going to need help from our journey. My help comes from the Lord. It is acknowledging that we are going to need help from our journey. It is the admission that I have to ask someone for something beyond myself. Right? I know uh, guys don't like to ask for help when they're driving, right? They don't want direction. They don't want to go stop. I mean, we don't have that problem now because we have GPS right directly from our phone, right? Or sometimes we don't want to ask our wives for help, right? When it speaks of the Lord watching over us day and night, it implies that we need watching. You see, the question is real. Where do I get help? Where am I looking? 
I want you to think about that question or that questions. Where do I get help? When you think about your own life and where you are right now, if, you're, if you need help, where do you turn to? Right? It could be something practical. I, I'm sure for those who cook um, turkey this past week, right, or ham, you probably went to YouTube, you probably went to some recipe, right, that you know of. I, I, I mean, I saw um, Ruby made her um, chicken, not turkey, with the help of Richard's recipe. See, help, right? It is not something that she made for herself. She needed help to make that and how that chicken tastes like as if Richard was here, if that makes sense. Even the turkey that we had this, this past Thursday, right? My mother-in-law used Richard's uh, recipe. So she needed help. It was, her, it was not her own. So again, the question is, where do I get help? Where am I looking? I'm not sure where you are in your life. If, if, there's some, if you're asking for help, if you're struggling of something in your life, if there's some challenges that you're facing with at this very moment, where are you looking? Sometimes in need, I look up and see that God is there to protect and to, to guide. Sometimes in need, I look up and they're before me in this world. It's a variety of other options for help apart from God, pulling away from God, clouding my view of God. See, if you're not careful that you're looking for help, where? Somewhere else. You, you're not going into the scripture. You're not looking to, to the guidance of, of, of your, your pastors or your elders in your church. You, you, you're moving away from the truth. So again, the world gives us so many options to look for help. If you are a follower of Christ, if you, are a, if you know Christ is your Savior and Lord... You need to look to him directly. Because when you look at the things of the world and, and how the world gives you guidance and wisdom, that's not the wisdom of the scripture. That's from the world. They, they, they will, if you're not careful, they will pull you away from God. If you're asking help. If you're struggling with this certain issue in your life, if, you're not, if you are not careful, it will lead you away from your relationship with God. Sometimes the question is an affirmation. Where does my help come from? Yes, I, I look up and I see that it is the Lord who provides and, and protects. Sometimes the question is a reminder. Where does my help come from? Oh yeah, that's right. It is from the Lord. And sometimes the question is a confession of repentance. Did you hear that? Sometimes the question is a confession of repentance. Where does my help come from? I, I admit I have been looking elsewhere and need to return to the Lord. Amen? Because there are times in your life as a follower of Christ, you, you get sidetracked and, and you need to go to the scripture. You need to go back to the Lord and, and let him guide you, let him protect you. 
and get you back in the right place. Where does my help come from? It's not just admitting that you need help. It is simply even that fact that you need confession of repentance. The uncertainty of the mountain in this introduction fits the uncertainty of our lives as we journey up and down the pilgrim way from here to eternity. Man, if you, you know, I mean, Joey loves to go hiking. She's the only one that I know here that hikes three, four times a week. Right? Maybe less, but maybe I'm exaggerating, right? But when you go hiking, right, do you know where you're going unless you've been there? But you know the uncertainties of those places. There may be some snakes, right? There may be some, some uh, you may pick up some shovel on the way, right? There may be something else. There's some difficulties. There's some rocks everywhere, right? I mean, unless you go with, with Apple and June and ride a bike, right? When you go mountain bike and you see all that, nice up and down, right? There's some uncertainties. There may be some, whoa, it's too deep. But life is like that if you're not careful. We need the guidance of the Lord because we understand the up and down of life. And God is there with us. But the question is always the same, and the answer always brings us back to God. So the point of Psalm 121 is not that we will not have problems, but that God will keep us safe as we go through them. Amen? Despite of the challenges, despite of the affliction, despite of the hardship that you and I face, despite of the emotional issues, the, the, the sin that we have, that we go through in life, know this. That God will be with us. The mature Christian is neither blind to trouble nor in fear of it. For he is a follower following after Jesus Christ. John 16 verse 33 reminds us this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? You will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world, despite of the challenges, despite of the affliction that you and I go through in life, Jesus Christ says, in me you will have what? True peace. And that's why you and I can look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, and it says, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That if, if, if you're walking with Christ, and you will understand what that peace is really about. Protection by God under the watchful eye of God is the dominant idea in the psalm. In the Hebrew text, only one word is used for what our version translates variously. Watch this. The word watches over or preserves or keeps. You'll see this word over and over. Six times the word keeps or keep. The word shamar in, in the Hebrew in verse, in verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, and verse 7 and 8. And I want you to also notice the word Yahweh or Lord. Jehovah is also mentioned five times. Help for God's people does not come from Baal or any other ancient false god. 
help does not come from our modern idols of money, stuff, security system, and even, guess what, our politicians. Doesn't matter how passionate you are about the political stuff. Or doesn't matter how passionate you are with the stuff that you have at home or, or, or the size of your bank account. Your help does not come from that. Your help comes from whom? Say it with me. My help comes from the Lord. God is our protector at all times, in all, in all circumstances. So let me encourage you, let me remind you, do not put your trust in the things that will fade away. Here the psalmist's eyes of sight becomes eyes of faith. He, he consoles his heart with the presence of God. God is with him, and, and so he will not be overwhelmed regardless of what appears in the hills. He reminds himself that God is the creator, and, and thus he, he is sovereign over the whole universe. The creator of God of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2 is his power source, is his help in times of trial and, and, and difficulty. You see, sometimes we forget, don't we? That God is our help, that he is near us, and, and that he will deliver us, and that he protects us. Right? Just yesterday I got help from God, Right? It's interesting, right? You could tell a story, and when was the last time God helped you and how he protected you while you were driving? Do you remember the time when, how you almost got hurt? It could have been a big accident. Remember the time when filling the blanks and how God delivered you and how God protected you. Yahweh, our Lord, Jehovah, made heaven and earth. He, he made me, he made you, he cares for you, and he cares for me. Where's that from? That sounds like what? Psalm 139. Remember that? That was a beautiful chapter. It's a great reminder that God knows us intricately. He knows us intimately. And why don't you run to God? When, when the fact that God is like that, God who is the creator of heaven and earth, why don't you run to God for help? In, in the struggle of your sin, in the struggle of your doubt, in the struggle of your fear, why are you not running before a holy God, before a God who, is, who has created, who is sovereign, who is in control of everything? God is omnipotent. Omnipresent, omniscient in knowledge. He is great and powerful, powerful, and, and, and God is personal. John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1 reveal this great and awesome creator is also our great and awesome redeemer, King Jesus. So church, what a comfort Yes, we can ask a question just like the psalmist. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come comes from? The second point I want us to look at in verses 3 and 4. 
he will not let your foot be moved. He, he who keeps, your, keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So number two, my Lord's providence is with me. My Lord's providence is with me. So there's a change from the first to the third person as the psalmist dialogues within his soul. The four negatives that appears are crucial to the argument of these two verses. The God who guards his chosen people, Israel, is the same God who now guards me, guards you on a personal and day-by-day basis. He will not allow your foot to be moved. Or, 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 or slip, or slide, or stagger, or even be shaken. What that tells us, there is a moment-by-moment moment watch care over us by who? By God. Right? Providentially, He is guarding us and guiding us. He keeps, and you see that in verse, in verse 3 and 4. Listen, right? He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither... I mean, look at the word. It's repeated there. That should give us assurance and, and reminds us. Jude, in the New Testament, picks up on this aspect of God's character, applying it to the security of believer in salvation. So if you turn with me to Jude 24, all the way to the end, towards the end of your Bible... Jude 24, in verse 25. Before Revelation. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the one... To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. You see, pagan gods sleep and need rest. Not our Jehovah. Our God does not slumber. He doesn't doze off. Nor does he sleep. He does not get tired. He does not take naps. He, he does not sleep, eat, or have, en or have need of anything else at all. Psalm 34 verse 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. 24-7, you might add. And his ears are open to their cry. Psalm 34 15, that's beautiful. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. This is an awesome reality that we are reminded of literally every single day. Or at least we should think about every single day. Or at least if we are reminded of in our lives, we need to remember this at the same time about God. So every single day, you and I are required what? Sleep. How many of you had eight hours of sleep last night? Right? Seven, six, right? I, I, even if you try to pull an all-nighter, right? I mean, nurses, right? You, you work three times, four times straight. For some reason, right? You just keep on working. You go back. But you still need rest. 
especially after you hit that third night, right? And you're just like, I just want to sleep. Right? How about, this is more something more practical, right? How many of you have pulled up an all-nighter watching Netflix? Right? Watching your favorite show, where you stayed up until 3 o'clock in the morning. Right? But after that 3-hour mark, 3am three, uh, 3 mark, you said, well, you know what, I need to go to sleep. This thing is just wasting my life. I'm just, why am I stuck with this? Uh, at some point, you need to lay down and go where? And go to sleep. And it's a pretty humbling thing. Think about it. God did not have to create us in this way. God did not have to create us such that every night our bodies are totally worn down. We have to lay down like a sack of potatoes and go unconscious for a number of hours in order to recharge and, and go again. God made us in such a way that we have to sleep. It's a pretty humbling thing. Maybe a lot of you here, or some of you, love to sleep, right? I mean, I sleep like around 9.30, 9 o'clock in the evening, and I wake up around 3, 4 o'clock, right? But I thank God for that refreshment and how He refreshed me through that sleep. And you know what happens while we sleep? Do you know what happens when you sleep? God keeps going. Right? Even that battery, that commercial about the battery, right? Eventually he'll die. He'll stop working. Right? The Energizer Bunny. Right? But no, our God, he keeps on going. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So you and I can run uh, frantically through this life and, and trying to get all these things done like the, uh, the world will fall apart if you don't do these things. But every single day for hours we are laying down and apparently the world goes on. It's a pretty humbling thing that we are creatures who must sleep. And it brings us so yet one more difference between us and our Creator, because He never sleeps, and this is really good news. When you and I lay our heads down at night, we can fall asleep knowing that the One who sustains all things, and the One who, who holds all things together, and the One who loves us and is committed to caring for us and providing for us, is working even while we are unconscious. So... How much more soundly should we sleep when God who never slumbers nor sleeps is guarding us? Right? You don't, you don't need a, a pill to help you sleep. Right? You're being comforted, you're being guarded, and, and, and the presence of God is with you. So number three, verse five and six. The Lord's presence is beside me. The Lord's presence is beside me. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. These two verses begins with two powerful poetic promises that unfold like a seat of, of, of stairs with each additional step providing a further word of promise and assurance. 
Warren Worsby says, our keeper is on the throne looking down on us, but he's, he's at our side to shield us from all harm. Know this, church. Our keeper is on the throne looking down at us. Not your loved one who passed away and you believe that he or she is in heaven. He, he or she is not watching over you. There is no doctrine. There is no scripture to back that up. Only God, who is in his throne, is looking down on us. Not just looking down on us. He is with us. He is at our side. He is protecting. He is shielding us from all harm. The word shade it speaks of his protective presence. The word shade. He overshadows us with his care. The word at your right hand speaks of his personal presence. Awaken and he is there. I lay down and he is there. All through the day, all through the night, he is where? He is there. Again, we're reminded of Psalm 139. The sun and the moon stands for dangers that come in the day and in the night. When the psalmist really means, though in figurative language, is that nothing either of the day or night can harm us if God is keeping guard. Nothing can harm us. Right? I mean, my favorite season of the year is summer. Right? So cold winter is not my kind of thing. Right? So when you go to the beach, right, when it's really hot, what do you do? Do you just go, just like lay down there without what? Without a shade? You need that shade to do what? To protect you. Right? So when you go hiking up in the mountains, you, you're, you're grasping for air and you want to go find yourself a what? A shade. Right? You can go fishing in the ocean without some shade, or you come back, right? Sunburn. So again, we see this in how God protects us. So again, God is our covering against every calamity. That's the picture. God is our covering against every calamity. He is our shade against the visible perils of the day as well as the hidden perils of the night. All the dangers in the day, all the dangers at night, guess what? God is watching. God is protecting you and I. Traveling through life, I will not fear the sunstrokes of a day, and that's little, even figurative, or the cold and darkness and terror of night. Right there beside me, promising never leave me nor forsake me. In Hebrews 13 verse 5. You see, church, we are promised of His presence day by day, month to month, year to year. No, it is, it is by minute by minute. It is by second by second. You see, in, in, even in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all this chaos that you and I have experienced since February of this year, or March, or April, May, June, Right? Whenever this pandemic started, we didn't know what 2020 would look like. Now we're looking at 2021. And you know what? Can I tell you this? God will be with you. So there's no reason for us to look ahead and say, you know, what, what, what will 2021 look like? Do not fear. 
And the same thing that you see in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 through 9, and you see the promise and the faithfulness of God in how he delivered Joshua. And God said to Joshua, do not fear. Be courageous. I'll be with you. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 reminds us, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's a beautiful picture, church. If you are worried, if you're anxious about something, run to Him. He is our shield. He is watching over us despite of all these things that's happening. And lastly, number four, my Lord's protection is around me. My Lord's protection is around me in verses seven and eight. Listen, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Listen, says the Lord will keep you. Right? And again in verse 8, the Lord will keep you. He will keep your life. Even in those two verses alone, you and I can jump for joy. God, thank you for keeping us. Listen, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. To be kept from all evil does not imply a trouble-free life. But a well-protected life Turn with me to Psalm 23. That's your favorite chapter, right? And you look at the protection that God provides. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. But he says, I will not fear. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your protection, you, you, you surround me with your protection. I have no reason to, to what? To fear. You know what? It, 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 it embraces the truth from Genesis 50, verse 20. Genesis 50, verse 20 says, You meant it for evil, but God, God meant it for good. Painful? Yes. Paralyzing? No. Literally, he will preserve your soul. We are too short-sighted. We, we want the Lord to keep our health, and, and we want God to, to, to keep us, or to want strength and, and, and our goals, to keep all of those things. Can I tell you this? And what I'm saying that you're short-sighted about those things, can I, you and I need to be honest. But your health, my health, it's not your life. Your job, your job is not your life. Your hobbies, your activities, those are not your life. Basketball is not your life. Watching too much Netflix is not your life. All those other activities, your social media activities is not your life. 
But your, your marriage, your marriage is not your life. So when I want you to see what your life is, in terms of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. Verse 35 and following. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Who is your life? Jesus Christ. And in verse 8, going out and coming in means every aspect of life and living. It, it draws attention to the details of life. God is in the big things and the little things. The going out and coming in, again it reminds you of Psalm 139, God is aware and fully aware of all those things that's happening in your life. It says from this time forward, refers to real time. Whatever is going on in your life, the Lord is keeping you right now. Yet He will keep you forever. He, he will not stop watching over you until He gets you safely to glory. We may die, however what that looks like. But you know what? God will deliver us. That He will keep us from all eternity. That he will bring us safely to glory. The, the Lord will keep you day by day, and the Lord will keep you from all eternity. Even in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and following. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He also called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What a comforting it, this is church. He will not stop watching over you until he gets you safely to glory. So God tells his people in Psalm 121, I will protect you. It is certainly true that you and I live in a broken world in, in which we were born carrying a sinful nature. We live in the consequences of our sin. And we live in the path of consequences left as a result of other sins. It is absolutely true that there is harm that will fall upon us in this world during this life. There will be trials. There will be losses. There will be hurt. But it will not overtake you. 
you will not be overwhelmed, you will not be totally, completely swept over. That is the promise of Psalm 121. The Lord is my protection. Jehovah, the watchful protection of God never takes a break. It never goes away. And its protection extends to every part of your life. It extends every part of my life. It extends to every corner of the creation. It is there for all eternity from everlasting to everlasting. Those Israelites of the Old Testament traveled on the pilgrim to Jerusalem. They looked up and saw the temple of the Lord on Mount Zion. It was a reminder to them of God's protective care. But for us, we in the church today, look upon the cross of our Savior Jesus Christ and are remain reminded of the same thing. Jesus has come to us through the cross, has joined us together with Him on this pilgrim journey. Every step of this life he is right there beside us. God understands. God knows your pain. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He lived in this world to understand that you, that, that you and I can run to Him because He understood when someone dies in your family. And Christ cried. Jesus wept. And even our times when we are fearful and we run to Him, we, and He gives us the faith to believe and to keep going. The comfort that we have, church, is that every step of this life, Jesus Christ is beside us. And by the power of the cross, He reminds us again, you will always forever be kept in the loving and gracious arms of Jesus. Just this morning, as we were celebrating the Advent, right, as, as a family, we read Matthew 2, as we have read Matthew 2 here. Right, in preparation for the coming, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. To truly know the effect of that as, uh, uh, as believers, as followers of Christ. And that God sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Christ was born to carry our sin and to die on that cross. It is finished. And yet, how are you living for Him today? Where do you look when things seem to be closing in around you. So let us remember in such moments to look, to remember our Creator who is sovereign over all things and who will protect us and He will help us to, per to preserve us. He, he will go with us. And again, Hebrews 13, 5, that He will never forsake us. He's always enough. God is where our help comes from and not the hills. So you see, you've got to look beyond. 
even in the problems that you are carrying even at this moment, whether it be finances, whether it be health, whether it be emotion, psychological, all this thing, whatever it may be, church, whatever affliction, whatever trials, whatever, you need help. You, you, you need to run to God. You, you need to stop fooling around, you, you, even in, your, in the midst of your sin. You're wondering, where do you need help to get help? If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ today, you need to stop and just seek God. But pastor, no excuses. You need to run to Him. Because the all-powerful, the ever-present God helps and protects you and I. See, I love the prayer of my son. He always repeats the word protect, protect this in, in one prayer. To understand that, to know that. Because he, he is the ever-present God who is always with us. See, God provides comprehensive care in the midst of our troubles. God provides comprehensive care in the midst of our troubles. I want to encourage you as we listen to this song, It Is Well. Let me ask our praise team to come. And I, I want you to use this opportunity to reflect on this message. Read through the chapter. Pray over the chapter. If you need help, be specific and run to God. You don't need me to come and pray for you or pray with you. You can pray directly where you are. But I can come alongside of you afterwards if, need, if needed. You can come to the Lord confidently and boldly with your petitions. Whatever heartaches, whatever affliction, whatever trials, whatever help that you need, you find it here in this chapter. You need to look beyond the hills, beyond the mountaintop and see the transcendence of God that who is in control of all things. God cares about the little details of your life, not also the big details of your life. Everything in between. Commit that to the Lord. Use this opportunity tonight as you listen to this song. Oh, Father, as we come to you, Lord, you are indeed our maker of heaven and earth. Thank you for being my help, for being our help in the midst of troubles, in the midst of affliction. Thank you, Father, for never sleeping or slumbering. Despite that when we are resting at night, when we are asleep at night, you are watching over us. You are constantly protecting us. 
So thank you, dear Lord, for the hope that we have that you are ever-present protector in our lives. So we thank you for this time in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.